welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Been gone for a week. Yes. Well, it's kind of technically two weeks because, like, we only missed a week of recording, but, mm. like... Two weeks has passed? Yeah. In, the, in real world time, two weeks has passed. In podcast time, one week. One day. One day. <laughs> two hours of recording. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you been up to? <sighs> started school again. Daughter started school again. Well, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. But by the time... Oh, yeah, by the time this, yeah, this recording gets released... And my headaches have begun. <laughs> they have they have replanted themselves mm. into my daily life. Yay. I know. What have you been up to? Work. Like that Rihanna song? Work, 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 work. Da na 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 na. As you said. I'm already um. tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so work. Um I have two kids, so super fun because today was back to school night you know so that's pre-recorded video of cadence's teacher and Mm -hmm. then back-to-back meeting cameron's first three teachers of the school year three teachers oh yeah because it's like pe choir and like regular teacher right or something like that science Um, science her other three she'll meet before the second semester starts Mm. and then she'll flip-flop Every quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, p- teachers are underpaid. <laughs> I'm already just like, oh, dread this shit. Yeah. Especially when they have to deal with you. What, the kids or the teachers? No, the teachers with you. Yeah, I just want the best education for my daughter. I'm not talking about your daughter. I'm talking about you with math. Oh, shit. Because you're like, what? That should be easier? And I'm like, because you were surprised that I said that. I'm like, yeah. Hmm. You won't even let me fucking try. Yeah. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, that whole math thing is going to give me a fucking headache. Yeah, because you're going to let it. Because no, you're not even going to let me try to help you. It's not even that. No, I'm I'm going to I'm I'm going to ask you for your help. It's just what happened today. It's just like, yo, I want to punch you in the face, teacher, for your stupidity. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> but I can't cuz she's a woman, and I wouldn't do that. Well, even if it was a man, you can't do that. Why not? I'm a, I'm a grown man. He's, he'd be a grown man. It'd just be two guys fighting. That's mm, still <laughs> illegal, you know. <laughs> and you're black. Oh, yeah. Cops get called and... You got shot plop, in the back I know, seven times. Seven times. Plot, plot, plot. This is America. All right. Cool. Welcome back, folks, to the Real Hill Podcast. Yeah. And since I've been working from home, you know, in these past two weeks, I often wonder... Now I just have to get exceptionally drunk and nobody will notice. <laughs> like, sometimes I wonder, if I start drinking in the morning, will they notice uh, by I lunchtime? I know. You just have to sober up for like 30 seconds during like whatever Zoom meeting you got to attend. Yeah, but I think about it and I'm like, <sighs> emails don't really have autocorrect. What do you mean? There are times where I've been drunk and I've been texting. Uh-huh. That autocorrect will fix it for me, so I look more more coherent. Uh, and te- email doesn't have that. Oh, <laughs> Grammarly. <laughs> like I mean, there's like spell check, 
but I'm not like it's just not as easy when you're, <laughs> yeah. you've been drinking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't do that, but whatever. Right. Um, you can find us <laughs> on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the Real Appeal with two E's and Real, and you can find us at or you can email us at therealappeal at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would review us on iTunes, we would appreciate it. Give us some five star reviews. Download every single episode we've ever recorded. Just do it. Do well, it. Maybe not the first two. No, first two. Just, just, just see how we improved, little by little. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week we are doing the news, of course. Our recent review of Tesla Variety Time, uh, which we're going to be doing Lovecraft Country. Yeah, the uh, HBO produce, uh, apparently, I think it's a hit. Uh, it got a lot of reviews, great reviews of uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Yes. Um, and our geriatric cinematic is The Prestige. What's the topic, Mark? <laughs> if you folks were listening to our last episode, the topic was rivalry. 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 I can't even say it. Rivalry is the sweetest form of entertainment. However, after watching Tesla and rewatching Prestige, the topic is obsession is a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know why you changed it, and we'll probably talk about that once we get to it. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So let's get into the news because we have a lot of stuff to talk about a lot of shit happened i know so much so much for uh sticking to maybe two or three news stories <laughs> like we've been wanting to yeah i got like one one i guess one big section <laughs> <laughs> um this makes me happy hmm. guillermo del toro is doing pinocchio and for some reason that totally did the- not get on my radar mm-hmm or maybe I heard it and forgot about it. I don't know why, but I heard it recently and I was so fucking excited. Yeah. Um, but they've casted uh, Kate Blanchett, Tilda Swinton, Finn Wolfhard um, for Guillermo del Toro's uh, overall Netflix deal that he signed. You skipped over one big name that uh, we're always happy to see pop up. Tim Blake Nelson. That wasn't in the headline that I was reading. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Mustang. Um, yeah, so Tim, Tim, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson is going to be in it. Um, and let's see. Gregory Mann, I guess, is like a newcomer. I've never heard of this guy. Um, so Swinton is going to play the Turquoise Fairy. Uh, David Bradley, Geppetto, mm. um, Ewan McGregor, he was already cast as Cricket, but I almost kind of think, wouldn't it be interesting to see Tim Blake Nelson play Cricket? <laughs> he would just be very angry. He'd be like, you know what, Pinocchio? So sick of tie for shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, folks. That's my Tim Blake Nelson. Good night. <laughs> Uh, John Turturro is going to be in this as well, though they didn't really state uh, what his role is going to be. Mm. Also, Ron Perlman, Bern Gorman, and uh, Christoph Waltz. And they haven't said who those characters are going to play. Be well, right? Yeah, I'm sure Ron Perlman is going to probably wear like a ton of makeup. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, 
So it's actually already been shooting since fall of 2019 at uh, Shadow Machines Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in Oregon. And they've been doing their work uninterrupted since the pandemic started. So That's cool. I'm actually really happy this is finally getting made because I know this has been a uh, passion project for Dotoro for like decades. Wasn't... Um that last one that he made supposed to be another passion project. Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been. However, I, I think it might have been one of his another one of his passion projects. Um, one reason I'll say maybe because he loves doing like creature features like that. That's mm-hmm. like his. That's where his, like his love is at. Um, however, I think maybe he, maybe that was something he really came up fairly recent. Because um, he had been wanting to do Creature from the Black Lagoon with Universal. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, nah, nah, nah. And he was like, all right, fine, fuck it, I'll just do this instead. And he won Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> so Universal, fuck it up like always. Exactly. So uh, uh, what's the next story? Uh, you're actually more excited about this one. Uh, Rachel Weiss, the star in the Dead Ringer series, adapted at Amazon. Um, I say Kelsey's more excited because she loves Rachel Weisz. What was that one movie that we saw her in? And like, I was like, almost had like a manic episode after. <laughs> Damn, I I can't remember that name of that movie. I know it didn't. It was really... like a focus features movie. I remember that like it didn't really. Um, it wasn't like a really like a box office success or anything. It was like a really indie film. But you were just all about that movie because it was about like, not about like identity crisis, but kind of like. You like you could be anybody, but you're also invisible to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like she had so much potential. She, she could do anything, but she also largely went unnoticed. Uh, complete unknown. Yeah. That's what it was. Damn, it's 2016. You've been that long. Mm-hmm. Damn, I remember we went all the way to like USC, like their their film, um, their film department to watch that. It was like a special screening. I think we had only started doing that like. Um, it was like fairly recent we were going to these screenings, right? Yeah, like we had been to a few before that, but it mm. had really started to become our thing. I don't remember how I fucking got those tickets. Maybe you got them. No, it wasn't me. Ah. You got them. It was, it, was the, it was the screening ticket ferry. Yeah. You put and it? Then we went to the Italian restaurant after. Oh, and no. I was like, this food is so good. And that movie was so good. And oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm so happy right now. What the fuck is going on here? Uh, okay. So the dead ringers move, uh, it's the show. The series is based off the original film that was directed by David Cronenberg in uh, 1988. And it starred Jeremy Irons as, uh, doing dual roles as twins, um, twin guy, gynecologists, um, that be good relationship with the same woman. I remember seeing this movie like, fuck, I think maybe like, a little after high school, because I was really getting into, like, my Cronenberg kick. Mm-hmm. But I barely remember anything about it. I just remember it just being, like, Cronenberg fashion of, like, sexual and shit like that. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm pretty... I'm, I'm actually... I'm, I'm fairly interested into this one as well. I mean, Rachel Weisz is a good actress. Um, and plus, like I say, it's, it's based off of, like, a Cronenberg property. Um, it was brought... Actually, the idea came up from Weiss, and she brought it to... Uh, Annapurna, sorry, television. Uh, Alice Birch, fresh off her time writing on Normal People at Hulu, is set to write and executive produce. And I didn't know this. This will be her first regular television role. Weiss actually came up with this idea? Mm-hmm. I guess maybe maybe she's always been a big... Well, 
I imagine Weiss has like a lot of pull in Hollywood. She's been acting for like decades now, mm-hmm. and I'm sure she just like, yo, I just want to, I want to do this show. And of course, I mean, the stream is Amazon. I a really, lot of these. I really like her. Oh, because she has that pull to like make. No, that show. not just that, but she wants to do these things that are like, like you would expect a man to want to do that. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but she makes it acceptable in a, in a way mm-hmm. like it makes her a little like unique and maybe um you might think like there's maybe like kind of this weird dirty side to her which is kind of makes mm-hmm. her kind of hot you know mm-hmm. but like but it's not one of those things that will men will look at her and call her like a whore or anything because mm-hmm. like she makes it so like she does it so naturally i think yeah. like with yeah. that movie that we watched with her and um Emma Stone. Um, oh, the favorite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. she was so good in that too, and mm-hmm. and it kind of goes along those lines that she brings that type of attitude to her roles mm. in different ways. But yeah, she does have like a seductive nature. But you're right; like it doesn't come off as like horish or anything like that. No, yeah. Like she's like. It's almost like, like I know it's gonna sound weird, but it's not horish. But it's almost like she could start a cult, and no one would know that they're following her. Can I? Can I? Can I join her cult? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's hot. I've always had a crush on Rachel Weisz for like years. I've always had a crush on her. Um, Yeah, there's no word uh, when production will get started or when the show will be released. Um, Oh, I didn't. Okay. It is straight to series. So we are going to see it. It's not it's not going to be turned into a pilot or anything. It's straight to series. So once production gets started, once it gets ended, we're going to see it. Yes. So it's a for sure thing. That kid in the background's happy too. I know. Rachel Weiss is in a TV show. What? <laughs> His ball hasn't dropped. What? Uh, okay, so DC fandom happened this past weekend. Fandom. Fandom with an E. Fandom. Um, and a lot of stuff came out of there. Um, I think the day prior, I think the day prior before fandom, fandom, uh, Ben Affleck is set to return as Batman. Is it, and, weren't they? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off half. Oh, no. Yeah. So, yeah. Ben is going to come back as Batman. He's going to show up in the Flash movie, if that ever gets made. Weren't they talking about rumors that Michael Keaton was going to be the Batman in that movie? No, it's for sure. Michael Keaton is coming back. So, more than one Batman is going to be in that? Yeah. Everybody's speculating that it's going to be like the Flashpoint Paradox storyline, where Flash gets into a different timeline. Uh, in the DC universe. So maybe there's going to be a scene. Well, from my understanding or what the article uh, stipulated is that director Andy Muschietti, the guy behind uh, it one and it two, um, he said he, uh, he's a Ben Affleck's Batman. He's a very su- substantial part of the emotional impact of the movie. The interaction and relationship between Barry and Affleck's Wayne will bring an emotional level that he we haven't seen before. This is how I think is going to play out for Beth. For bath like <laughs> I thought um, you were gonna say bath man. <laughs> bath man. <laughs> um, Flash is probably gonna like figure out he can go through time or what uses speed force to go through time. He's gonna talk to Batman or Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's gonna be like, "All right, do it" or whatever, and then boom, he's gonna go into a different timeline. This is when we get uh, Michael Keaton's Batman. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm like I said, if this if this movie ever gets made, I'll watch it because. I love me some Michael Keaton, and I love me some... Uh, I actually did really like Ben Affleck's Batman. I never saw him, so... Oh, you're going to see him. <laughs> you're going to see him because the Snyder Cut of Justice League 
new trailer dropped. I actually waited. <laughs> You're like, did you watch it yet? I'm like, no. You're like, you need to watch it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, Not looking forward to it. Don't care. <laughs> did you watch it yet? No. You should watch it. Okay, I know, I know. So as soon as I got off work, I watched it. And your message, this is what, the, this is what Kelsey's message was. I saw the Justice League Zack Snyder cut. Dot, dot, dot. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't a very optimistic, like, fuck. It was like, fuck. So go on. Okay. How much do you hate it? <laughs> Can I give you mm. my opinion of that trailer? Like, Yeah, go ahead. My breakdown of it. There's mm. not going to be a whole lot, but mm. it's that Hallelujah song. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. By someone who has a really deep voice. Yeah, that's uh, Leonard Cohen's uh, classic song. Yeah. Go on, go on. I know I've heard recently a, a higher octave mm. version of it. Yeah. But anyway, the entire trailer is that song. Mm-hmm. Like they played the whole entire song. Mm-hmm. And my impression is, I feel like that's an allegory mm. for how the film is actually going to be, because it's the trailer was like playing a video game mm-hmm. while watching, um, what, what do you call it? Like Happy Hardcore or something? Uh-huh. Like, like you're playing some serious fucking action game or whatever. Mm. And then, like, you're listening to music that doesn't mesh, and you can't <laughs> you can't hear what's on the TV. Yeah. And, it, like, it didn't sync up at all. Oh, okay, okay. Like, not emotionally, <laughs> not, like, you know, like, usually the music that's playing in a trailer will kind of like, crescendo it, with yeah, the impact of, like, an explosion or something. Yeah, I know, like, set the tone of the movie, right? Yeah, it's, like, seamless. It's like they were made for each other, and this was not that. <laughs> um, so they were so out of sync. It was, um, like, I could also kind of compare it to every time you see a movie that has bad ADR. Uh, but this was probably more like watching a kung fu movie uh, and watching the lips of the Asian actor with the American dub <laughs> and it not matching. <laughs> yeah, it t- to me, the trailer came off super fucking pretentious as shit. Like, I am Zack Snyder. To all my Snyder fans, God has returned. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, like, I like that song, but when I saw the trailer, I was like, yo, Snyder, you can go fuck yourself, man. Like, straight up. Like, I, I always gave him respect as a visual director, not as a storyteller. T- now I'm just like, dude, your head's getting so fucking big now. Mm. And I can't wait for it to come out because it's going to be, not, we're not going to get not one, but we can get two Justice League train wrecks. And I can't wait for the Snyder fans to sh- finally shut the fuck up <laughs> about this fucking thing. This whole release of Snyder cut has been going on for like, what, four years now or some mm-hmm. shit like that? So then my other observation is mm. i literally thought it was just going to end with the song mm. and then all of a sudden there's talking <laughs> okay well, whoa okay the first person you hear is the flash and i don't remember ever hearing him that actor ever talk before mm. but he sounds like a prepubescent teenager yeah and it's just completely wrong for that character yeah this obviously this flash is like before he's the barry allen flash that we know who's like the CSI type character, mm-hmm. um, like Snyder, like really 
like twists those characters around. Like in and in, in this version, he's kind of like of a not a deadbeat, but he's kind of like a loser. Um, when they first introduced him, he had like long hair and a beard and shit like that. He looked like he was poor or like a junkie. Mm. Like really fucking weird. Um, I mean, I've heard so much. I've heard so many stories about um, what happened behind the scenes. Uh, during the fandom, they announced that like this will not be a two-hour movie. This will be a four-hour movie. Mm-hmm. And he's going to release. Snyder's going to release one hour each week mm-hmm. for four weeks. So we are getting essentially a four-hour fucking movie. Yeah. Now, for folks who don't know, when a movie is shot from beginning to end in production, it is actually about four to six hours. That's like the, the window, and that has everything from coverage, dialogue, action, everything. And it's the director's job to go. All right, let's start cutting this in half because we got to drop this, drop that, drop this. This is for pacing. This is for budget. This is for. It doesn't make sense. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So what we're probably going to be seeing is four hours of just a lot of extra shit mm-hmm. and it looked at like just deleted scenes oh remember that scene was supposed to happen this way well now it happened this way deleted scene altered scene that's that's what i'm getting from this and 30 million dollars for that shit that pisses me off honestly like i'm not one of those people who's like why would you spend that money on something someone else could have used it like i'm not usually that person that's like if you make so much money you should be giving all of your money away Mm. but why would you give 30 million dollars to someone to re basically master a movie that already came out that already bombed Mm. when honestly so much other shit is going on it's not gonna make anybody happy it's gonna make just other fans happy (laughs) it's not they're just gonna be more pissed off and have something new to talk about like to fucking argue about and shit yeah i mean uh what does that i i can't i i like i said i can't wait for this to come out um you are you and i are gonna sit down and watch these we're gonna have to watch these superman these movies leading up to we're gonna have to watch man of steel bvs for those of you who don't have psychic abilities and can't see me while i'm recording i just rolled my eyes at <laughs> oh it's gonna be oh man of steel man of steel is maybe like the only all right one but it's it just it does it still doesn't work uh so what what else came out during the dc fandom james gunn suicide squad he uh did a roster of villains in a new teaser video um what did you think about this um i honestly don't really have a, a super huge opinion about it mm-hmm like I like James Gunn, but I'm not a huge fan of DC in general, so yeah, I don't really know who they are. Yeah, um, I don't really have an opinion, honestly. Like I'm on the fence about it because it's James Gunn, but I honestly don't honestly care that much about this. Okay, um, because I don't know. All right, so I, this one I'm actually looking forward to. Uh, couple of reasons one is that it is james gunn i've been a fan of james gunn's work for years um he did a great job for guardians i mean he gave us like what cd list characters and made us like cry when a fucking tree died and shit like that <laughs> yeah um i heard that like uh warner brothers went to james gunn and was just like do what you got to do man like just fucking have at it hoss mm-hmm. um but yeah this roster they showed uh idris elba as bloodshot a uh, blood sport john cena as peacemaker jay jay courtney as captain boomerang nathan Fillion as tdk um peter pete davidson as blackguard and uh, there was a bunch of other characters they finally showed like who's gonna play who 
it's a suicide. It's like a long. It's a huge list of actors, so you know for sure like half of them are gonna get killed. Yeah, <laughs> it has to because that that roster is too fucking big. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just like it was just like a roll call and a lot of behind the scenes stuff. But they show like updated costume of Harley Quinn, which looks really great. Um, it's good seeing Nathan Fielding dropped all that weight. <laughs> Um, All I remember is seeing him, and he always looks pretentious to me. Nathan Fillion? If I'm thinking about the right guy, he did Castle, right? Yeah. And it always came on right after Revenge. Oh, okay. So I'd always see, like, start to see, like, the recap or whatever, and he mm. always looked pretentious and, like, kind of old. Uh, I I like Nathan Fillion. Fucking um, Firefly. Um he was mainly known for Firefly, but yeah, he did Castle. Now he's on that show, The Rookie. For a while, people wanted him to play Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Whenever they they had when people were fan casting him for like the Uncharted role, um, that video game. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Uh, if you play that game, you'll be like, oh yeah, it's totally Nathan Fillion. Mm. If you see him, uh, I remember years ago, years ago, um, fans of his wanted him to play the new ash in the evil dead movie mm-hmm. they're like he's perfect because he has the same kind of like personality and jokes as bruce campbell mm-hmm. but unfortunately you know that just never happened um does he really like i feel like bruce campbell's would probably stick better because i feel like he's better at the sarcasm nathan fillion kind of strikes me as a guy who makes jokes but gets crickets no nah, he he he's no nah, he's pretty funny like i've i've listen to interviews with him and um he has like a kind of like like if if chris pratt like if, if there was no chris pratt there would be nathan fillion like nathan fillion would be a big star because he has that kind of like funny kind of like self-deprecating jokes and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like levels sarcasm. plus from what i heard he's like one of the nicest guys in hollywood he's canadian so no. maybe that goes uh, with it of course <laughs> <laughs> all right so that happened uh, but one thing that I think Kelsey and I will both agree on. Yes. Is we finally got a trailer of the new Batman. <laughs> yeah. Like we we for us there wasn't a huge debate, I don't think, on mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. being a good new Batman. Yeah. Um, because I haven't seen him in a whole lot, but mm-hmm. um I know he's been in a few darker things and I kinda thought that it would be good to see him in something mm-hmm. um not sparkly. Yeah. So um then you said he's done some really great things. So, yeah. of course, everyone's like, oh, my God, we were so wrong. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> People are still making that. They're still trying to make that joke. Like, oh, look at a sparkly vampire. is Batman. It's like, dude, that was like 15 years ago or some shit. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, new jokes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, new trailer for Batman. The trailer for Batman came out. Um, it's dark as shit. It's yeah. it's gonna be dark. People are like comparing this to like Seven, the David Fincher film. Mm. Um, we got a good look of Jeffrey Wright as uh, Jim Gordon. Um, people, oh, this is like early Batman, so he's probably not Commissioner. He's maybe like Captain Gordon. Um, we got a look at uh, what's her name, uh, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Did you catch Colin Farrell? No, I did not. Colin Farrell is the fat guy that's driving the car. He goes, whoa, this guy's crazy. Really? That's Colin Farrell. Yeah, a lot of people were just like, what? Are you serious? Because <laughs> they, like, they did all his makeup and shit. But yeah, that's that's Colin Farrell. Wow, okay. Um, 
I I really really love the fact that they had Nirvana's uh, something in the way playing over the over the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I, I I saw this tweet from Devin Faraci. Um, he said that it's pretty messed up that they use that song because it's about homelessness and the fact that they're using it for like about a rich guy who's like beating the shit out of people in a costume it, sh- it shows that it tells Nirvana that the the people that they didn't like win but if you really like look at the lyrics and take an understanding of the, this is my interpre- interpretation of the song but it's pretty much like it's it's something it's, it's that it's that sense of you that you can't find out that doesn't let you progress forward or let people see you as a normal human being and you just can't figure that out it's like torture within yourself yeah like you can be homeless in a different kind of way like you're lost yeah yeah well like because like Kirk Cobain he wrote that song like while he was li- li- literally living underneath the bridge when he got kicked out of his home so that's why they're kind of like that's why he like created that to like being homeless mm-hmm. but it could also just mean so many things like you know Kelsey and I we suffer from certain mental issues but we can never figure it out mm-hmm. you know we always figure that we could be better but there's something always in the way that's like stopping us that reminds me I know it's a little bit of a tangent but you sent me something through Instagram and right above it was a meme that you sent to me a while ago what was the meme it was data and um oh and LaForge La <laughs> yeah. and and you're like oh I hope you know he, you're like, oh, I, you know, you're definitely data. Uh, yeah, with some like blackness and void filling what's inside me or some shit like that. Would you like to join? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I hope I'm LaForge. I'm like, yeah, you could, you could be LaForge. <laughs> um, but yeah, this trailer. Uh, oh, so the trailer, it looks fucking great. Um, even though that they only shot like 25% of the film. it's It looks great. Um it looks like a full fucking film already. Yeah, it looks like they're like getting ready to like pop this out like in two weeks or some I shit know. like that. Um, it has been confirmed. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to see who confirmed it. Uh, oh, okay, Warner Brothers president of DC-based film production, Walter uh, Hammond, uh, confirmed at the DC fandom. Hamada. Hamada, thank you. DC fandom that this Batman will be in a separate universe. Um, he was saying, we're trying to keep it as simple as that, like there is one Earth that exists in Justice League and then the beginnings of another Earth that is happening in the early stages of the Batman. So this is going to be like a separate story. So we may we might not see him inter- interacting with Cavill's Superman. I, they can easily change that if depending on like if the money, if the movie makes. I mean, they bad. could because they kind of fucked up with Justice League. So, mm. you know, and with the whole Flashpoint thing that exists with the Flash. I mean, they yeah. were saying how. I remember there was something going on where people were like, okay, well, if they re- try to reboot Justice League, mm. we'll lose Wonder Woman. Like Gal Gadot yeah. as Wonder Woman. And people will be really upset about that. But there's a way to keep her. Mm. And there could be a way to keep him too. Oh, uh, uh, Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. They definitely can. Um, this Batman will be based in Batman Year Two, so he'll already have been the Dark Knight for at least a year. Mm-hmm. But the people of Gotham like see him. They see him more as a threat, like a vigilante. Yeah, you know, especially like he like beats the shit out of that dude in the trailer. He just like pummels him like to fucking death. <laughs> yeah. He's on the ground, just keeps hitting him and shit like that. Yeah. I was just like, oh my god, I'm scared now. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that I really, I'm really digging on this Batman is that it's going to focus more on him being the great detective that he's known for, as it's just like having gadgets and stuff like that. Honestly, 
I don't think I've really seen, other than the Batman with uh, Jack Nichols as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Not the Joker, as, yeah, as the Joker. Yeah, as Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen, I think, a Batman that was a great detective. Yeah. Because like, they, they always just seem to rely on not just gadgetry, but their brooding millionaire attitude. Yeah, the only time like they've ever had somewhat of like the detective nature of Batman is maybe in like a little bit in the Dark Knight when he was like trying to figure out who the Joker is or what's the Joker's next move. Mm-hmm. But never like who's the killer, who's this person I have to go up against. You know, people are speculating that um I don't know if it's been confirmed but like the Riddler's the main villain. I think that maybe the character known as Hush is going to show up, which has a lot of significance to Bruce Wayne himself. Mm-hmm. Um but like, you know, they're kind of just kind of keeping everything under the wraps, you know. Like I said, it's been confirmed that Penguin's showing up, um, Riddler is showing up, uh, Catwoman. Who else? Oh, uh, John Turturro's going to be in it as a young Falcone. Oh, really? As a gangster, yeah. Oh, well, of course he's going to be an Italian man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who, else? who else? Who else? Who else? I think that's about it. Oh, yeah, I think that's it for now. But he's going to show up. You know what? I was just, Mm. this randomly popped into my head. Mm. As far as people who would be good in a film like this, Mm. as like a low-level kind of boss, Mm -hmm. when you said John Turturro, I immediately thought of the guy who played in Giri Haji, the British guy who was like the gangster. Oh, yeah, yeah. He probably would have been able to play some part in this film. Oh, he definitely could have done that. Um, You know, or Peaky Blinders, who's Billy Kimba. God. Uh, oh, also, um, this isn't a docket, but they they sh- they had the final trailer for the Wonder Woman 1984. Film. I did actually watch that. What did you think about that that trailer? I liked it. You you're like all about you were all about the first trailer, so you're, yeah. you obviously still like this one. I actually like the fact that we got more of a shot of uh, what's her name. Oh, the name's escaped me. I forgot right her now. name, but she's a blonde lady. Yeah, the name's escaped me right now. Holy shit. Um, why I look her up right now? Um, I did not like the first Wonder Woman. I'm so surprised that so many people did. Mm-hmm. But I could see why, in light of all the Me Too stuff, Go on, that was it? going on. Um, oh, but- Kristen, Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. There you go. Because uh, I, I wanted to say Chitara, but the Chitara's from Thundercats. That's <laughs> so always like shit. Let's say it correctly. Yeah, but we got a we got a good we got a much better look at. I was I was gonna say gooder, <laughs> a much better look at Cheetah. Um, which I think it was I I was skeptical on how she's gonna look, but very impressive. Yeah, I like that one part in the trailer. Where she goes, "What did you do?" Oh yeah, she's like, "What did she do?" Oh shit, <laughs> I'm st- I'm stoked for this too. I can't wait for this movie to come out. Yeah, plus you know, like she's fucking gorgeous. I can't help but like just be happy just to see her. Yoga Yeah. <sighs> okay. Like this role is was made. She was born to play this. I remember I was one of the I was one of the naysayers when she was first cast as Wonder Woman because I was like, oh, she's too skinny. She doesn't have more muscle. And then I saw her as Wonder Woman. I was like, oh shit. Be still my beating heart. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she's she um as of right now, she's the perfect Wonder Woman. She's very beautiful. She's actually I think she's grown as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um she I'm hoping this I know she she had a very naive attitude in the first Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping this one, which time has gone by, her acting has improved, she'll be more of the uh Diana of Thanoscara, like the badass Wonder Woman. You yeah. Know? 
you know, the one that fills my Amazonian fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> please tie me up, Wonder Woman, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what she's known for. I know. Um, all right, anything else? Nope. All right, what do we got next? Uh, now we're going to do our recent review of Tesla. Is nature a gigantic cat? And if so, who strokes its back? May I introduce the brilliant Nikola Tesla, the greatest inventor of the age. If you Google Nikola Tesla, you get 34 million results. It's basically just four pictures. Beyond that, things get murky and more imaginative. Thomas Alva Edison. You got a light? Oh, Tesla. Didn't see you there before. I now have the pleasure of introducing you to a novel system of energy. Alternate currents. This will transform the way the world works. No, no sparks. sparks. It's perfect. Where have you been hiding? Alternating current is a waste of time. Impractical and deadly. You live in your head. Doesn't everyone? You lack funding. Mr. Tesla thinks I owe him money. What was it? $50,000? Yes. Anne Morgan, daughter of J. Pierpont Morgan. A woman like that can make all your dreams come true. All my dreams are true. <laughs> you want a lemonade? You work at night in a secret laboratory. You shoot lightnings from the earth to the sky. If I'm trying to tame Wildcat, and I've become nothing but a mass of bloody scratches. Are you like being scratched? If necessary. The synopsis is a freewheeling, take-on visionary inventor uh, Nikola Tesla, his interactions with Thomas Edison and J.P. Morgan's daughter Anne, and his breakthroughs in transmitting electrical power and light. Um, It's directed and written by Michael Almereda, Mm -hmm. and it stars Ethan Hawke, Eve Hewson, Kyle McLaughlin, Mm -hmm. Josh Hamilton, and Lucy Walters. Um, what did you think about this? Um, I've had some time to really think about this movie. Um, I did like it. Um, I did enjoy the first two acts because it was a, it was a very unconventional biography or biopic. Mm -hmm. Um, plus I'm like, I'm. I love Tesla. I read a bunch about it. I read a bunch on his history. I'm more of a Tesla fan than I am of Edison. Yeah. Edison is just an Andy Warhol of inventing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think Tesla was a much better inventor than uh, Thomas Edison. Um, so I was very intrigued by this. Plus, it's Ethan Hawke. I've always been a fan of Ethan Hawke's acting. Sometimes he picks some really bad stuff. But you can tell he likes doing it for the money. But this one, um, I felt like he was really trying to challenge himself. Has to play uh, Nikola Tesla. Um, one of the things I really did enjoy was the fact that um, there was a lot of like uh, fourth wall breaking mm-hmm. that didn't take me out of the movie. Yeah, 
and there was uh, these kind of like funny or like cool little nods to like modern technology to show like how Tesla had an effect mm-hmm. later down the line in society. Um, however, that third act, um, that third act was getting pretty bad because it kind of got to the point was like, all right, like you, now you're just kind of like just you're just spinning the wheels in the dirt now. Yeah. Like, come on, like, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this, man? You, you had a lot of buildup. Now you're just like... <laughs> the trailer really sold it as something that was yeah. going to be unconventional. Mm. Um, but that was going to show the real true nature and heart of Tesla mm. and um, kind of modernize the story. Mm. And I guess the first two acts did a good job of that Mm. and then you're right in the third act it just kind of didn't know how to end it yeah um as far as ethan hawk goes Mm. from watching first reformed i kind of thought he could play the role but i was still a little skeptical Mm -hmm. um because first of all i don't really know anything about nikola tesla but um other than he's better than edison Mm. um so I don't know. I was kind of skeptical. Mm. I always thought Nikola Tesla was like European. Where is he from? Is it from Poland or something like that? I think he's from Poland. But he always, but he had like an American accent. Uh, you talking about in the movie? Yeah. I I heard I heard a foreign accent, especially when he was when he would talk for more than just a few words. I started hearing like an accent. It didn't. It didn't sound like an accent to me. It was, it was a, a lot more like Shatner. Uh, Serbian American. That's what he. That's so he was American. Um, but maybe he like... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. No. He was born in Croatia. Sorry. Croatia? Yeah. Oh. Um, or maybe he came over when he was real little, so he still had like little parts of it or something. Yeah, yeah. But mostly sounds American. I don't know. I just... I didn't think that he could play him because I thought that he wasn't... Like, I know people do different accents all the time, but for some reason I had it, him pegged as not doing a good accent. Mm. And that was my only reason, I guess, for thinking he couldn't play him. Oh, okay. Um, but I really wanted to see him because of First Reformed. Yeah. And he actually did not disappoint. Oh, um, Ethan Hawke? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. He did, I really liked his performance. Okay. I thought you were going to go, I thought you were going the other way, like, oh, he just pooped it out. <laughs> no, no, he did a good job. Um, uh, it's funny because two things about his performance. He, he had to play someone who really seemed to lack uh, personality mm-hmm. and still make it interesting somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he did that. <clears throat> he, he somehow, made it interesting mm. um there's so there's that and then um there was something else but i don't remember what i was gonna say <laughs> okay I'll, I'll pick it up from here <laughs> um yeah so the trailer the trailer of the movie really did oh i remember oh, okay i'm sorry go and um despite the writing and how good how unconventional it was in the beginning mm. um i felt like the only reason why i wanted to see it through to the end even mm-hmm. though it was starting to fail mm-hmm. was for him like he kind of made the movie oh ethan hall yeah oh he was able to like carry it to the mm-hmm. end okay yeah i definitely I, I i i can definitely um agree to that especially like during like the parts where i showed tesla during his later years mm-hmm. 
where it kind of seemed like he was really just not like losing it, but like losing his grip on like his inventions and like his. He couldn't focus on doing one thing really great instead of all these little things that he couldn't quite figure out. Yeah. And like how he was making these promises that he just couldn't like keep up with. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, what I was getting at was the, um, the trailer. Yeah. uh, Cause I remember the trailer sold, Kelsey and myself because we were just like yo we're like digging like the synth wave type music they're playing mm-hmm. there are parts where like you know uh, what's her name uh, Eve, Hen- Eve Henson was like uh, breaking the fourth wall and how she was like comparing Edison to like today's technology and everything we're like, okay cool it's like totally different um, but like that kind of wasn't the case in in the finished product like they it seemed like they were showing all the good points to like really sell the film but like i don't know it's kind of it's kind of weird like it was like they were building up to something and kelsey and i at or at least at least for myself i saw something really coming together like okay cool we're gonna have like this kind of like weird kind of kooky finale or some shit like that that like answers why we've been having these like little fourth wall moments being broken and stuff mm-hmm. like that but like i said when it gets that third act we're just like i was just like um all right. I mean, you guys didn't fucking finish it. Like you. Yeah, if it did feel unfinished. Yeah, yeah. You got like you got a sense that the director. I don't know. Like he, he started like that's what I always hear is a, a serious problem when it comes to like script writing is always like having that third act, you know, to end it to stick the landing. It really kind of almost seemed like they built him up, and even though he was still alive, it was like the character somehow died and was in heaven or something mm-hmm. like he all of a sudden became an idea instead of a person mm. and he was just floating around and you were trying to figure out what the fuck was going on yeah 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 definitely um okay you just want to hop into the spoiler section so we can kind of break down a little bit thoroughly 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 yes uh let's get into the spoiler section So, yes. This is the reason why I liked the movie so much in the beginning. Okay. It definitely has a lot to do with Eve Hewson and okay. and how they wrote her breaking the fourth wall. Mm. Um because they kept coming back to like these it wasn't just how they wove him in with like Google, mm. but it was like I'm going to give you a history lesson about this man mm-hmm. and like here's edison there's so many images of him look him up right now you can find him mm-hmm. and then there's only four images of tesla and, <laughs> yeah there's and, only like four actual images of tesla and yeah and they like some of them are like colorized or you know <laughs> yeah. they might be flipped the other way yeah but they're all the same four images <laughs> yeah so um she even did that uh, when it came to like uh jp morgan mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i i really like that because it it made it a story that you kind of want to watch, right? Like, mm. it still keeps you in the modern times, but mm. also, like, like you want to see this story play out. Like, it's almost like sometimes 
you come across an article online Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because they have all these good facts and like it's all right there Mm -hmm. as opposed to going from one article to another to try to get the bits and pieces that are interesting oh okay it felt like that to me like like a very complete article oh okay gotcha yeah um and the nerd in me loves that so that's why i was all in on this Mm -hmm. um the one thing that really uh I guess surprised me was the level of humor. Yeah. Um, because at one point when Nicola's becoming un unhappy with Thomas Edison, mm-hmm. um, they have like this little spat where they're like dabbing ice cream cones on each yeah, other. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, and it was kind of funny and they're and then they backtrack and say, Oh, well, that didn't actually happen probably. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it was when Nicola left thomas edison then because he wasn't getting enough um like respect and yeah for his work yeah so um i really liked that Mm. what i did not like Mm. and the reason why we chose the prestige is because like the prestige shows a rivalry Mm mm-hmm and I thought Tesla was going to show a rivalry, but give Tesla the recognition he deserves. Yeah. And it showed a very childish man chasing after Nikola, but didn't even focus on that as much as it did how kind of odd Tesla was. Mm-hmm. And then failed to bring him to any sort of end at the end. Yeah. So it really wasn't what i expected it to be and in that way it was a huge letdown for me okay i I gotcha um yeah because like we thought it was gonna be like a real rival like like because i said a real real rivalry between edison and tesla um and we kind of get to the point where it's just like edison kind of like starts really becoming like a third or fourth character as the movie progresses, and mm-hmm. like tesla and edison's like rival they're they're spat back and forth over time is like legendary mm-hmm. you know edison actually like hired agents to like come after tesla to like find out his secrets or like uh spread like false rumors about him and stuff like that um so like even like how the movie started it was kind of going in that direction and then it's it later started going into how tesla like how tesla was trying to get his inventions made or trying to get his stuff patent and everything like that and they were they were kind of like building up to like this whole mystery of tesla you know how he was like this quiet individual in the corner but like he's a guy who's like constantly thinking of like new things to create um and i did like how ethan hawk really played him very awkwardly like how he was unable to like really communicate with people. Mm-hmm. Um, like if he was seeing somebody in like the fourth dimension, it was just like, you know, there's rings around your head you can't see, but that's because of this, this, and this, and everything yeah. like that. And that was like kind of cool. I was like really digging on that because it was kind of funny. It was kind of like really out there. Um, however, like when it started getting close towards like the third act, like it seemed like they were building him like this mythical figure. There was even a part where, um, where uh eve henson i think she had said some stuff about like oh like the stories of edison have been like rumored or have been speculated and stuff like that and they didn't like really either they either didn't really add any more to the mystery or even kind of like answer 
uh, a question about the mystery. No, this is actually what really happened. Um, so that and that that's what it was kind of getting close towards the third third act, mm-hmm. where it was kind of like just going back and forth. Um, and like I said, it like it seemed like it was going to be like this big crescendo, like oh, and you know the legend of Edison, uh, Edison, the legend of Tesla, like lived on and stuff like that. Like I thought they're going to get on the fact that like. They touched up on it like one like bit of dialogue where it was rumored that like Tesla was getting signals from Mars, mm-hmm. and that was like a big mystery that like got the uh, that got the attention of the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were gonna like focus on that because there are there's like a number of stuff that he invented or like notes that the government has deemed it classified, mm-hmm. and they didn't touch up any of that at, at all. And I think that would have, like, continued that legend of Tesla instead of just, like, oh, he died in a, an apartment alone in New York. Mm. Like, that's it. It was just, like... Not just the buildup of him, mm. but they threw J.P. Morgan Chase mm. in there. Or was it just J.P. Morgan? Whatever. J.P. Morgan. Mm. Um, sorry, I was thinking of the bank, I guess. Um, Didn't J.P. Morgan buy off Chase? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. That's why. Okay. Um, so, J.P. Morgan... Um, he had a daughter and I guess Nicola was kind of seeing her for like a lot of while. Mm. Um, and he knew JP Morgan knew about him, but it seems like they never really crossed path, like crossed paths. Yeah. Only like when Tesla like needed money from him. But that was later on. Like even in the beginning, it was still kind of like. She's like, oh, you're only dating me to get close to me to talk to my dad. Yeah. And it, and it just seemed like every time Nicola, and like every time J.P. Morgan's name came up, it was because um, he had given money toward like Edison's inventions or mm-hmm. Edison putting lights like mm-hmm. in a big hotel or something. Yeah. Um, so then later on it kind of came up that they were trying he was trying to get money from him and he did but mm. I, it just it like didn't go anywhere like mm. it still it did the same thing yeah. because they both crashed at the same time like the buildup of jp morgan and and tesla's mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. and the buildup of tesla on his own and maybe getting somewhere with his inventions mm, with that money yeah. they both kind of crashed and burned and they never went anywhere yeah that, you know there's I, I didn't think about it until right now but there's like that one scene where like um they go over thomas edison and about how he had um built like a certain factory or something like that and then like it the factory closed because he made like bad investment choices and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember when that scene happened, I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot Edison's in this movie. Like I quickly <laughs> forgot that character was in here. <laughs> um, um, but then they were like, and whatever, you know, fuck it. And he went on to the next <laughs> thing anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like the, so, okay. So, th- okay. So this is one of like my biggest issues um, with that third act is that, um, like I said, earlier during the movie, you see, like, a part where, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Anne Morgan, the character Anne Morgan, she, like, pop open a, uh, like, MacBook mm-hmm. and, like, goes over Google. And you see Thomas Edison pull, like, an iPhone. At one point, you see somebody, like, use a vacuum. Like, yeah. you, you see, like, modern technology, but, like, as the story's going further and as, like, it gets more, like, kind of wonky, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's, like, building up. So you're thinking, like, okay, cool, it's going to have, like, this big finale or big kind of like not like 
grand gesture of like all things that like he he helped invent or like gave ideas to invent but it seemed like it was it seemed like like the director wanted to like hit that hard note Mm -hmm. and just decided just to pull back and I think if he hit that hard note, it would have been like, okay, wow, now this is like a truly unconventional biopic. It's mm-hmm. very like kooky and crazy and stuff like that. Um, there was one part where like, and I and I think he, I think he, I think he, I think the director thought his crescendo was probably the part where like Edison gets on the mic and sings, um, "Everybody wants to rule the world," and it's just Edison singing it by himself. It wasn't Edison; it was Tesla, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tesla. Tesla was singing that song, right? Mm-hmm. But like. I don't know, like, but it didn't feel earned at that point. Yeah, and it felt—I mean, I don't know if it was if it was done on purpose. It felt kind of sad. Yeah, I was like, uh, "Fuck, okay." <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking about how he, how J.P. Morgan, um, ended up having to close com- his company or whatever. Uh, Edison. Yeah, Edison. He made, um. But he was doing using uh, J.P. Morgan's money though yeah. too, mm. is because the Tesla had sold his motors on the cheap, and then I think who bought them Westinghouse. Yeah, yeah. Westinghouse bought them, mm. and then something went wrong. Mm. Like they weren't able to sell them off for a profit. Yeah, and um, and then they had to close down, and it's like. That bit of information is almost like information you don't even need to know because, yeah. like, they spent all this time on that and and nothing, nothing really came of it. Mm. And then also, even with the whole AC versus DC, only lived within the first like thirty minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. and it kind of lived and died on the electric chair. Yeah, like when we jumped when we jumped from there, I was just kind of like, like no, no, like let's kind of come back because. That's like some serious, like good shit to like talk about. Yeah. And to get, because we, if anything, we kind of get a lot of like Edison side on it, and we get like a little bit of Tesla side. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one we call like the current, the current war or something like that that came out that I heard is god awful. So I don't know how they play it that much, but I think this was like this would have been a great a, a great opportunity to really show Edison's side of that of that whole battle. Yeah. Um. So, and just for those of you who don't know about it. Um, I guess Edison was trying to prove that Tesla's electricity was more dangerous yeah. than his own. Yeah. And so decided to test it out on the electric chair and executing people. <laughs> like, he would actually take volunteers. So, um, and that part was really confusing. Nothing was really confusing except for that part. Because yeah. we were like, wait, which electricity is he using? I What's know. he trying to do? Is he trying to prove his is better or yeah, like yeah. just disprove Tesla's or what? Yeah, there are like little pockets where you kind of scratch your head like, all right, what was that all about? Like it, feel, it felt like you're missing like one extra, one more scene to like close it off or to, or to better explain like what's going on. The whole actress, the French actress mm, thing, that, yeah. that was another thing that was kind of like, why did we meet her? Yeah, I know. Like, she was interesting, kind of, but mm. she became so pretentious and overshadowing everybody else's characters mm. that I was just, like, kind of thought about her like that one redhead reporter in Hannibal. She was annoying like that to me. Yeah, like, they, they gave the idea, or the director gave the idea that, like, Tesla had an affair with her and everything, but it seemed like they, like I said, there are many times, like, in the movie... He like that you could tell the director wants to go full like on a particular scene, but he like he's constantly holding back. 
like it's almost like he mentioned something as opposed to actually making it come full circle. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not like I I do think you should watch it. Yeah, it's a, it, like like it is. A lot of people have said it's like an unconventional biopic. Um, I think it's, it is it is unconventional. It's not super unconventional, but it is it is interesting to watch. Just brace for that third <laughs> that third act impact. Mm. Yeah, maybe one day you'll see this on our deathbed do over. Yo, I thought about that too. I was like, damn, it'd be a great for deathbed do over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Kelsey, you said what? Check it out. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's not it's not a bad film. I know we kind of had a lot of points that we didn't like about it, and mm-hmm. I think a lot more now that we started talking than we initially even realized. Mm-hmm. But it actually is a good film. It's worth it because of Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um, it's worth it because it's Nikola Tesla, and um, it's worth it for the first two acts. Yeah, absolutely. So I would I would have to agree with that. It's definitely it was definitely worth a watch. Um, I the movie's like I think like close on two-hour film and if if like i would have like i would have I would not have mind to watch it in an extra like 30 minutes or an extra hour if it just gave it like a better complete ending mm-hmm. and i would have been like all right cool that was totally worth it but like it kind of like i said it just gets to a point where it's just like all right we're done yeah. sorry's over <laughs> bye you don't, like have, that, you don't that, have to go home, but you can't stay here. It's kind of like that point in a play where it's like, okay, now we're going to be really abstract with all the little <laughs> set pieces flying in the air. And you're yeah. like, okay, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's our review of Tesla. Whew. Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what do we got up next? Uh, and now we're going to do our variety time. <laughs> called this segment a trip down lovecraft lane yes um we did the first two episodes because the first episode came out while we were on hiatus Mm -hmm. um and you know of course i'm talking about lovecraft country because i didn't say that yet (laughs) um i was like let her say it herself let her say herself (laughs) she's been doing this for 62 episodes. She's still got it. She's still got it. <laughs> um, the first episode is called Sundown. Mm. Honestly, there, I forget what the show was called, but there was like this guy who would go around kind of like investigating like southern towns and like all of their practices. Mm-hmm. And it really had me. And I learned what the term sundown meant mm. on that show. And that was like, Two or three months ago. Was it like a docuseries? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was actually like a TV show, but it was like, yeah, like a documentary. Mm. And so this first episode being called Sundown, I'm, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I know what that's about. Oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> um, and I honestly really liked the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it did a really good job of quickly telling you who people were. Mm-hmm. Um, the Atticus Freeman. Oh, sorry. I should tell you who stars in it first. Mm. Uh, Journey Smollett, Jonathan Majors, and Courtney B. Vance. Mm. They play Letitia Atticus and Uncle George Freeman. Mm. Um, Journey Smollett, I saw her in Underground. Yeah. And she was pretty good in that. Um, so those are 
the main three characters and they do a really good job of telling you who people are, what some of their issues might be, and then going right into the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't, there's not a huge lead up, but you honestly feel like them on this journey is kind of the lead up because, of course, as you know, with the name of the episode being Sundown, they do encounter a lot of racism and kind of have to go through certain situations like that before they even have to deal with anything. Mm-hmm. Lovecraftian in nature. So, um, I really, really liked the first episode. Yeah, I thought the first episode was great. Um, just to kind of give you guys a heads up, if you haven't watched it, we're going to spoil the shit out of episode one and episode two for uh, this segment. Um, the first, uh, first episode, that the first, like, what, five minutes, like, kicks it the fuck off. We're like, Atticus is like, he's like in the middle of a war he's like taking out like soldiers and stuff like that and all of a sudden you see spaceships you see like t i think you see like a t-rex or some shit yeah. like that you see jackie robinson like take out fucking cthulhu with a baseball bat and everything mm-hmm. i was like whoa what the fuck are we watching and then we're like back to reality um so it sets up to like it sets up to the idea of like okay this this show is gonna be like really crazy even mm-hmm. though it was like a dream sequence. Um, but I do like, I'm really, I really enjoy how, first of all, I love, I love the fact that this episode is called Sundown because mm-hmm. it has, it has two meanings of it. Um, it talks about uh, sundown towns where during like the 1950s Jim Crow era, if a black person was caught in a sundown town, as soon as, as soon at night came down, like that's it. Like that black person was, hunt, was hunted. Like why, that gave white people the reason to kill Mm-hmm. but it also gives the idea of like where um that's where the monsters come out that's where the creatures come out at night mm-hmm. so it has like kind of like that lovecraft lovecraftian nature but also like that realistic kind of like racism nature of, of america i think i think of a third use of the word sundown and that's usually it? like the end of something mm. and that could be the end of his innocence oh of atticus yeah like, like he loved those books and everything, mm-hmm. but he didn't think they were real. Yeah, I, I'm sure he thought of there was some validity to it because how the father was um, supposedly like in Arkham, which was like, I think the publishing book for Lovecraft stories was Arkham House. So he was finding like that Lovecraft kind of connection. Um yeah, it, the character. I mean, Atticus c- comes off as somebody who was who went to war, but you can think like, well, yeah, you can think like he is kind of an innocent character um, when the episode starts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he had to do what he had to do to survive. Right. But um, at, at, later in the mo- later in the show, you're just like, oh no, this dude had this dude probably had to, like do some sh- some fucked up shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then of course, they get by on the skin of their teeth, getting away from sheriff after sheriff trying mm. to kill them and shit or threatening to and then the last one they almost get away and then they ambush them in the woods and that's when all the creatures start coming mm, out yeah. they're like vampire creatures yeah i can't tell you what they look like but they kind of treated like dogs yeah i think i think i heard i heard somebody call it like vampire dog pig or some shit like that yeah um of course also there's like there's like the the hidden under the hidden meanings in like certain racist terms and stuff like that 
like the fact that they go to this uh, restaurant that was owned by a white person, but that was friendly for black people. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this restaurant doesn't seem right or some shit like that. Yeah. And then when Atticus asked Uncle, asked Uncle is like, hey, why they call it the White House again? And he says like, oh, because when they burn down certain walls, when they burn down the walls, they just paint over with white. And as soon as like they look around, he like moves the floorboard. You think like, oh shit, they burned down this building before. So they like took the fucking... Um, the the original owners they killed him and took that building, mm-hmm. um, which was like a common practice back then. Yeah, did they do that kind of shit? I didn't know that they did that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they end up going through. Um. They get away from the cops, basically, from the sheriff, mm-hmm. because the creatures basically were trying to kill them mm-hmm. and kind of got the sheriff's. And they got away. Yeah. And they end up at like this mansion. Yeah. Um. And once they get there, you know, like that's kind of the end. Like, oh, we've been expecting you. Yeah. Um. One thing I want to touch on. Uh. I know we're just like, skimming through episode one, but you folks have seen it already, and we we really want to talk about, talk about episode two. One thing I want to mention on episode one was there's that part where there's a part where the sheriff it it kind of it goes into like the nature of how white people view black people where a sheriff is bitten by one of these dracula dogs he's literally turned into a monster the black dude tells the other white sheriff hey shoot him he's gonna kill us and that white sheriff is just like wait hold on you sure about that yeah like (laughs) no like wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute black folk (laughs) yeah but he wouldn't have thought twice about shooting a black guy oh yeah absolutely if if the black guy sneezed he would have been shot at Seven times in the back. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and also I do like the fact that Journey Smollett's character... Character. Character. Oh, shit. <laughs> Get a little hood coming out. <laughs> Her character um, saved their asses twice. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because she got behind the wheel and mm. got away from them being chased. Yeah. And then another time she got... Like, the sheriffs chose her to go outside of the cabin mm. and, you know, I don't know, go get the car, go get some help or whatever. And yeah. she ran to the car because she used to run track. Yeah. And came back with the car. Yeah. So, um, she did, like, you know, girl power. <laughs> um, oh, you know, what? one thing I just remember. I know the other thing I said was the last thing, but one thing I do remember that the show did was the idea of colorism. Mm-hmm. Um, they touch up upon that a little bit with um, uh, Journey Smollett's character and her sister. And there's this thing, for people to know, this thing in the black community where, like, even black people will judge other black people on the basis of, like, the lightness of their skin. Mm-hmm. And they kind of touch up on that with a conversation that she has with her sister, which is, I thought was really good. And I actually hope they explore that more. In the later episodes, because that's like a that's a real big problem in the black community, mm-hmm. where it's just like you're not black enough because you're not dark skinned enough. Yeah, you like know? you'll the, like the the darker skinned um, black people will tell that to the lighter skin, but then also on the flip side, the lighter skinned black people will tend to shun the black like darker blacks yeah. black people too. Like, oh, you're disgusting, you're ugly, whatever. Yeah, and that's kind of like that's something that like that white people has kind of like put that upon us that if you're not l- closer to their tone, you're not ec- you're not as accepted mm-hmm. as a good person or a better person or anything like that. Which honestly says a lot that if you think about it, I don't know if it's crossed your mind, but it has mine a little bit. Mm. 
Obama and Kamala both are lighter oh, skinned. Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. Like they're they're black and mm. Kamala I, I she kind of identifies as black, but she also has that South Asian that she's cut with too mm. that she also connects with. Mm. And um so like it they're definitely not dark though. Yeah, like this thing with people, you know, like there's this thing around with, I mean, this is going like a little bit political, but like how Kamala Harris, people are questioning her blackness because she's not full on black because she's part, what, part Indian, right? I think she's might be part Indian, but she's also South Asian. Oh, okay. And how people were like, oh, Obama had like a white mother and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're talking to somebody who is like, who, whose blackness is constantly being questioned, like to this day shit. Apparently, someone's got a Motorola or some shit. No, it might be like a a motorcycle. Oh, okay. Or a UFO, whichever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So, we're going to episode two, which is called... uh, uh, Whitey's on the Moon. Whitey's on the Moon. Um, Yeah, I I have a lot of feelings about this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you watched it and like we, we both watched it together and at the mm. end i was i immediately asked you did you like this movie i mean the show mm. like did you like this episode and you're yeah. like yeah because i was on the fence about it mm. um but i don't we'll probably get into it first before i tell you why um yeah i mean i i uh i i did really like this episode um there was like a lot to digest though mm-hmm. um because they get uh atticus um Atticus, uh, Leticia, and and Uncle George, they get into the mansion, and, like, they're just dealing with, like, they're just inundated, or, or I'm sorry, the audience, or Kelsey and myself are just inundated with all this information about, like, this cult, and, like... Well, not just that. At first, it's, like, Leticia and Uncle George don't mm-hmm. remember what happened the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, they're... It's weird because I kind of knew mm. something was off because they had clothes that exactly fit Letitia yeah. in her room. Yeah. Then they're told, you know, you can leave the premises, but you probably don't really want to. But mm. you can just make sure you're definitely back by dinner time. Yeah, by sundown. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then they do leave and it's like this town, everyone's dressed like they're from the 1800s or whatever it was yeah. really strange yeah um and then you know they're like unraveling this mystery and they end up back at the mansion and things really kick off because then you see uh what's the guy's name adam oh yeah yeah the father right yeah yeah uh the father adam like getting his liver removed mm-hmm. and like they're all having dreams like uh, Letitia Atticus and Uncle George are all having like um, visions of something that's either scary or important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, while white people are watching them through like a one way mirror. Sorry, it's Samuel. Samuel? Yeah, because he called himself Adam. But yeah. yeah. Okay, go on. Um, and then after you get through all of that. Um, they're told to come to dinner, except the girl, even after all the racism and bullshit, mm-hmm. the woman's still not allowed because it's a men's only club. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, um, Atticus has like, albeit diluted and somewhat, you know, uh, twisted bloodline of Adam. Mm-hmm. 
Uh. Oh no, no, not of Adam. Um, his great great grandmother was one of the slaves that worked at on that worked in the mansion, and that they they <laughs> the Samuel said that uh, the owner was very generous to to his slaves. Hint hint, he fucked them. He bought yeah. a, he bought a Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, um, and that. Uh, that Atticus' mother—I mean, they—they they don't, they don't strictly say it, but they—they they allude to it pretty heavily. That Atticus' um, great-great-grandmother was one of the slaves, as the only one that survived because the place was burning down and she was pregnant at that time. Mm-hmm. So that's what it comes to the whole like, come find out like, oh, Atticus kind of like actually owns the property. Like he inherently. owns the property, but also there's something in in his blood. Yeah, like. That could open a doorway to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that because I think that's really I think that part's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they show this painting and the painting I forgot the name of the artist, but the painting is called like Genesis two nineteen, and it's pretty much saying, um, like Adam came brought you know Jesus brought uh, God brought the animals to Adam and Adam named the animals and you know everything was right in the world because everything was like decided right then and there. Mm-hmm. So Samuel gives the idea that like, um. We people, white people, mm-hmm. were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and we deserve to be go back in. Right. And they still, I mean, it just proves how, like, racism and misogyny kind of just comes together. And religion, like, the yeah. way that it's rolled backwards. Yeah. And that, like, you know, obviously the whole thing is, like, Eve is the one that, like, close the door in the garden of Eden for like all of humanity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I think that's, I think that's interesting. It just, it goes into the whole, it like it connects racism to like, I don't say theology, but just to, like the Bible. Yeah. How does, and how, how white people view that. It's like, Oh, this is our birthright to be in the garden of Eden. Yeah. Essentially built, essentially opened the door on the backs of black people. Exactly. <laughs> Which they kind of get into later on. Um, they actually get into in this episode. Oh, yeah. Like I mean, at the, yeah. in this moment. Yeah. Um, because the only reason why they were willing to let him into that group, mm-hmm. even though he owned the property, mm-hmm. the only reason why they're willing to admit that to him mm-hmm. is because they needed him in that room. Yeah. Yeah, like we're willing to set aside the fact that you're a black man because we need you to basically die so that we can <laughs> open this door so we can yeah. you know get closer to God. Yeah, and obviously like any other black person would be like, No, I ain't doing that shit but of course they had to like put a bullet in his uncle. They had to shoot um, They they killed T- uh Letitia. Yeah, they killed Letitia, yeah. And then like well fortunately like Atticus like got his father and it oh okay. Before before we before we finish that part off, I want to just take a sidestep and talk about the relationship between Atticus and his father. Mm-hmm. The fact that like his father wrote him a letter, and Atticus was like, "Something's wrong, with my dad. I have to go save him." Even though he's had kind of a, a troubled relationship with his dad, mm-hmm. and he comes to save his dad, he goes, and his dad goes, "Boy, I haven't talked to you in five years. I wrote you one goddamn letter. You come and rescue me. What the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> I was just like. I've seen that so many times. Like, I've been there, done that. <laughs> that sounded like your mom. <sighs> oh, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go back to the, to the, um, uh, them get everybody, pretty much uh, his friends being shot and, and, uh, his uncle being shot as well. Um, his uncle, okay, yeah. So before, 
before Atticus um, was going to open that doorway, we mm-hmm. find out like they brought back Letitia. Yeah. But like they weren't going to bring back the uncle. Like he was shot, but he wasn't dead. Yeah. Until after the ceremony was complete. Yeah. Um, and before the ceremony started, you you get a moment where uh, Uncle George and Atticus's father are talking, mm. and um, Uncle George kind of like talks to his father, saying, "Hey, like I never really stepped in and spoke up when when that boy needed me," mm. and you kind of get a sense or like a feeling like that's not his dad. Yeah, yeah. Like, like maybe Uncle George is his actual father. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they say. Like it gives you that idea. Yeah, it, it definitely. Yeah, it, it, it leans to that, but at least definitely gives the idea that um, uh, Montrose Freeman, played play by Michael Kenneth Williams, um, may not be um, Atticus' father after all. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like opens the door to like this whole new mystery. Right. Like who's his father, and what father? What does that father have in connection to um, to this to that slave that was uh, to his great grandma? Right. Um, which I which I was just like, okay, cool. Like we're gonna explore that. I just, that's like to me, that's just like really great. That that I love that because it opens the door to great character development. Mm-hmm. Of course, I always like a good story with daddy issues and shit. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like when you get something like that is like a journey that they have to go through. Mm -hmm. So um, that's also part of the story. So now we get to the part where they're doing the ceremony. That's, you know, very, but they're like hail Satan and all this shit. Right. Yeah. And he starts opening the doorway Mm. and he sees his great, great, great grandmother. Yeah. And she's pregnant and she's like, She's standing there in, like, fire. Yeah. And the door closes. Mm. And, you know, of course it didn't work. Yeah. Whatever they were trying to do. It turns Samuel to stone or, like, dust. Yeah, it turns, like, everybody in the room into, like, either dust or, like, ivory or something like that. And then, um, yeah, like, the whole mansion starts going down. Yeah, it starts going down, and you actually don't. You lose sight of where's Letitia and uh, Uncle George and Atticus's father. Mm. Um, so, he starts running. Yeah. Um, Atticus starts running, and he starts seeing his grandmother again, and she's, mm. like, kind of leading him through the house. Yeah. And at the very last door to the outside he sees her one last time and then she's gone yeah i think i i i I remember when you and i were talking about that i I was thinking that like maybe she like was somewhere like in a different dimension and she like got out through a portal or something like through that through that doorway that he opened Mm -hmm. but i think it was just like a vision like he was just seeing her escape when the when the house burnt down the first time Yeah. yeah um and by the time he gets outside, um, Uncle George had passed away by that time. Yeah, like, he made it out, sad. but then he didn't get to say goodbye. Yeah, that part was really sad. And of course, Samuel's not around to fix it. So. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, I thought the scene where they had, um, where Samuel was making, was doing the ceremony and Atticus was like, you know, opening the door and everything. 
they had, um, mm, excuse me, um, uh, Jill Scott Heron, Heron's song, uh, Whitey on the Moon, was playing. And it spoke volumes on, like, what they were pretty much saying. Um, so just to read you some of the lyrics, um, the lyrics goes as such. I write down, bit my sister nail with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms begin to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bill, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'm, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. The man just upped my rent as last, sorry. The man just upped my rent last night, because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. Um, so those lyrics pretty much, and this episode is called Whitey on the Moon. So those lyrics are pretty much saying, saying meow. Yeah. <laughs> no, those lyrics are pretty much speaks volumes of how white people have built society or built whatever off the backs of black people. Mm-hmm. And this scene pretty much like hits you over the head with it. Which I think was really good. I, like, I thought I honestly thought this. I thought the series was going to have a problem with introducing more modern music into what's going on. Mm-hmm. But after this, I'm like totally with it because, um, you know, during certain eras, well, even now, black people would speak in protests or speak about the current state of black society, of the black community, through like lyrics or songs and stuff like that and mm-hmm. poet poem. So I think this is like perfect. That was like a perfect sh- like uh, whole scene, which I absolutely absolutely love. I am I'm glad they don't use modern music mm. because that's one thing that I I wasn't exposed to being a white person. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm around it, the more I love it. Is the more soulful music. Mm. Um, and I feel like why like. It would be a crime not to use that kind of music for a show like this. Oh, yeah. They, they definitely would. I mean, I'm not saying, like, yo. Like, every song needs to be that. No. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to, like, hear fucking, like, who's, who's hot right now? You're not going to hear, like, uh, Migos fucking. <laughs> Meg the Stallion. Yeah, Meg the Stallion or Cardi B, like, popping up and stuff like that. Oh, you might. You might hear some Cardi B. I don't know. <laughs> might be, like, a, might, you might hear a WAP on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, this, I mean, the the show started off pretty, really well with the first episode. This one, like I say, this kind of threw a lot at you. Um, but I'm still, I'm still here with it. Like, uh, I actually like the fact that they got out of the mansion and now they're going to, from my understanding, they're going to go back to Chicago, but like crazy shit is going to continue to happen while yeah. there. Um, I remember we finished and I, when I asked you, did you like it? And you were mm. like, yeah, I love it. Mm. And I'm just kind of like, mm. yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing, like, I try to take stock of what, like, what are my real thoughts be like, and feelings on something. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to shy away from like any part of me that can learn from thinking or doing something better, especially when it comes to racism. Yeah. So I kind of wondered, like. Why do I feel hesitant about liking this this episode? And it's not that I didn't like it, because mm. I did. Um, but I was really worried that they were using racism as a cheap trick to further their story or make it more interesting or whatever, mm. as opposed to it just being a good story. 
Um, like, mm. and not that I think that they're doing it now, but if they continue to use it so heavily, mm. um, like, is it going to be too campy? Like, is mm. it going to be campy or is it just going to be like, um, like it's going to lose its meaning yeah, or something like that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm sure obviously we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I think since they kind of like. They did this episode. Oh, hit the mic. I think after they did this episode, I think they're gonna kind of like. I hope. I. I mean. I. Hopefully, they don't kind of cram everything in like one episode like that because they actually could have done this in like two episodes. I think would have mm-hmm. been. A, it would have been better flushed out. And then the other part of me too. I guess I. Everything was so fast, and there was a lot. Like for me, I obviously I pay attention. Mm. There was a lot of race, like overt racism Mm, in this episode yeah and like and i know i brought this up to you somewhat sheepishly because i didn't want you to take it wrong and Mm. like i wanted you to understand and like if i was wrong to help me but Mm. you actually got it and kind of validated it a little bit yeah i feel like sometimes like as a white person Mm. i don't want to give any of my own thoughts or myself over to the idea that that not that I don't want it to ever have existed because I don't want to like invalidate the history yeah, of the struggle and all that. Yeah, but like I don't want to sit there and like I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. Like mm-hmm. there are times where I know that my my white privilege allows me to like put some distance. Mm-hmm. Um that you know, but you know, like I'll watch stuff too. Like we watched when they see us. Yeah. Yeah. So um so what to kind of filter what you're saying is um like you don't want to get hit over the head with it Uh, yeah and it's i was wondering when i watched the episode do i have a problem with the racism because i don't want to see it because Mm. i'm white Mm. or or do i just not like it because there's too much of it Mm. yo i'm listening so Go on. Um. So yeah, that's what I'm. No, yeah, I, I get, I, I get what you're saying. I, I just wanted to make sure that that line was there. Like, I don't want, I, I didn't want to get to a point where I was annoyed because mm. they were showing. It might not. Be, I don't know what's in my history, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know what's in my history, but I don't want to be like annoyed because they're showing what potentially could be in my history versus like like you know like something that maybe black people need to see too Mm -hmm. like that they feel seen or heard or whatever like i just didn't know what the lines were because like for me it was like too much for me it was personally but but in general that kind of pain and that kind of struggle is always too much i guess you're saying yeah you like you don't like i said you don't want to you don't have that stuff like dumped on you like like you like i because i feel like i feel like if that stuff was dumped on you too fast you would subconsciously start shutting off you would just be like i just don't want to see it. i don't, don't want to see it as opposed of like let's just kind of like deal this out like bit by bit by right. bit and stuff like and it's not because like kelsey's like oh i, I just don't want to see it no like kelsey's like, like i'm an empath like yeah, i feel like everybody empath. like i can walk into a room like oh you're in a bad mood bye yeah yeah kelsey's like a hardcore empath like i remember when we watched like the first episode of when they see us you were like crying and it was like the first episode <laughs> it was the end of the first episode and you've never seen me cry like that after watching anything yeah 
anything. It was yeah. bad. I was sobbing. I honestly don't think it's going to be as as. I mean, it, obviously the 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 point of Lovecraft Country is to talk about racism, but with a Lovecraftian um, backdrop and everything like that. But I think I, I would think in the next few episodes they're going to kind of like dial it back a little bit, um, like how they did with um, what's the show uh, Watchmen. Like, Watchmen dealt with racism, but, like, they dialed it back not to, like, hit you too much over the head with it. Because, like, it would have taken too much out of the story. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You're in good company. <laughs> I'll rub your shoulders and be like, hey, 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 don't worry. You're not that racist. You're not that racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not to say that I'm not at all. Just, no. you know, not, not that you're one of the good ones, you're right? You're one of the good ones. You're mm, one of the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, first episode was good. Second episode, you know, Kelsey was kind of like in on it, and I'm kind of like I'm enjoy- I enjoyed it, but it was I saw the problems. Um, I'm, I I don't know. I um, I don't really know what's gonna happen in the next episode. Nice as Kelsey, but oh, you know what? I remember too. I brought it up. Mm. It for some reason it felt a little campy to me in the mm. way that Man in the High Castle did. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because like that for me that was a good story too with great potential of some sort of alternate reality mm. that could have happened mm. um and in this one being based in reality because of the Jim Crow era mm. with like this mystery it's like to me they're very reminiscent of each other mm-hmm. um but the other one faltered so badly that mm. it became more of like a teen teenage drama oof you know and yeah. and especially in um, Journey Smollett's character, I see that little mm, teenager attitude that needs to grow up. I, I, but I think that's just more based off her character that she just needs to to grow up. I mean, she like missed out on her mother's funeral, and it shows like the level of immaturity that I, I know. Good. I'm just worried because then you know, like mm. also Men in the High Castle, there were some people who were more mature, mm. and those people ended up getting hurt by the people who were only thinking about themselves gotcha gotcha so like i don't think it's gonna be like that because like from from what i can remember men in the high castle is way different from the from the tv show the men in the high castle book is based way different from the tv show mm-hmm. um uh but like this one for lovecraft country i it is going to fit that pulp realm because it is kind of like a pulp story. Mm-hmm. And if you, I mean, and Men in High Castle is kind of pulpy as well. But like you right. said, it gets kind of campy. And I've seen a few episodes where I was like, are oh, it's getting kind of like kind of ridiculous and shit. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I honestly don't think it's going to, Love Our Country is going to get that ridiculous because I think we got the idea of how ridiculous it could be in the first five minutes. Yeah. And I think they did it to be like, hey, this shit's wacky. But let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is what you think it's going to be, but this is how it's actually going to be. Yeah. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night, cause Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's up in me, cause Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week, and now Whitey's on the moon. Taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies make me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, 
A rat done bit my sister Nell. Good one there. Would Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> We're actually going to move on to our geriatric cinematic review of The Prestige. Shoot me. Come on. No, I can't do it. <laughs> Do you like that? <laughs> well, how do you do it? Magic. I'll perform this feat in a manner never before seen by yourselves or any other audience anywhere in the world. The audience loved it. This trick is top-notch. You need to celebrate. <laughs> a real magician tries to invent something new. Go on. It's something that other magicians will scratch their heads over. I suppose you have such a trick. As you do. It's the one they're going to remember me for. What happened? It was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. The synopsis is, after a tragic accident, two stage magicians engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. Directed, <laughs> directed by Christopher Nolan... Written by Jonathan and Christopher Nolan. Uh, stars Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Piper Parabo, um, Rebecca Hall, Scarlett Johansson, David Bowie, and Andy Serkis. David Bowie as Tesla. I hit the mic too. Did I you heard, hear it? I did hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kelsey. The Delsey. <laughs> what did you think about this movie? I like this movie. Um, nice. We watched it somewhat recently mm-hmm. um, before we watched it again for this episode. And mm. I honestly don't like rewatching films. I yeah. have like a thing against it. I have the same thing about rereading books. Mm. Um, the good thing is I forget about if I've read a book or not. Mm-hmm. The same way I forget about if I've watched a movie or not. Mm. So, you know. That's happened to me a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I honestly worried, am I going to enjoy it the second time? Mm. Because I don't like rewatching films. Mm. And if I'm going to be honest, the beginning part was kind of boring to me. Okay. Because I already saw that part. Yeah. Um, but then they do such a good job of drawing you into their <laughs> fucking issues. Yeah. And, um, like, I, I couldn't help it. I... I still love this fucking movie. Yeah, um, I. It's funny. Like I'll, I'll kind of like accidentally rewatch this film like almost every year, mm-hmm. and it's never like it's never like oh cool I just want to sit down and like uh, it's never it's never like I'm in the mood like yo I, I want to watch the Prestige like right now. No, it'll just be like I kind of feel like watching the Prestige. So I'll just like play, play it in the background. And within like 10 or 15 minutes, I'm like sitting there just like fully watching it. Yeah. Even though I've seen the movie like multiple times since it's been released. And even as, even when Kelsey was like, because this was like Kelsey's idea to do, do the Prestige. Um, even when Kelsey brought it up, I thought, um, all right, do I really need to rewatch it? I've seen so many times. I kind of can just like just go off of it and everything. But after after sitting down and rewatching it again, I, I'm so glad I sat down and rewatched it because mm-hmm. I was just like, yo, this movie is so fucking good. <laughs> um, this is one of, this is one of Christopher Nolan's movies that's actually, I don't want to say perfect, but it's close to being perfect because there's not a whole lot of issues with it. Um, this is more of a, uh, from my understanding, Jonathan Nolan wrote most of the script. So that's why it's better put together. It, what, so for people who don't know, is Jonathan Nolan 
mm. like the better writer and Chris and uh, Christopher, Christopher Nolan, Nolan is more of the director. Yeah, Christopher Nolan has done some writing work. Like he wrote like Dunkirk, but Dunkirk doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue. He yeah. wrote Interstellar, but Interstellar is a fucking mess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he no Jonathan Nolan is more of a much. Uh, he's a much better writer than his his brother. Um, but yeah, this movie. I mean, granted, the movie came out, what, like 14 years ago? Um, it still fucking holds up. Mm-hmm. I think it still is a great film. Um, the acting is still phenomenal. Like, it's it's so weird when you watch this movie and you're like, you're like, yo, that's Hugh Jackman. He plays Wolverine. That's Christian Bale. He plays Batman. That's Michael Caine. That's Scarlett Johansson. That's real. Like, it's funny because, like, when this movie was going it like these actors won't weren't as big as they are now yeah so it's like it's like oh yeah and coyote ugly what's that actress's name <laughs> yeah yeah coyote ugly julia mcgollin mcgollin mclaughlin mclaughlin thank you <laughs> um but yeah when you i mean obviously michael Caine, michael Caine and david bowie it's michael Caine and david bowie mm-hmm. you know, those dudes are like legends in their own field um but you see andy circus you like Fuck that's Andy Serkis, you know? Like, <laughs> holy shit, you know? Um, yeah, and I and the the thing is like this movie, if I think honestly, if done by anybody else, it would be a jumble mess. Mm-hmm. Cause there is a constant number of like time jumps, you know. We like follow them at the beginning and then we follow them at one point and then back to another and then one point and then back to another. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if if anybody else directed it, it would just it would have it would have made the audience more confused. It would have made me very confused. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but like, it's so cool because like, there's, there's this mystery that you don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. That starts unfolding, you know, until like that big fucking twist. You're just like, holy shit. Like there's a twin, like this whole time. There's a couple, um, there's a couple of mysteries because mm. they, you kind of don't know, like, the transported man, it's, it seems pretty obvious. It's going to be um, just a double, right? Yeah. But then you start, they start giving credence to the idea that it's actually because of this thing that Tesla created. Yeah. Um, the cloning device, the replicator, whatever you want to call it. But you don't know that's what it does when they first introduce it. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, what's this machine? Mm-hmm. And and that draws you in even deeper. So then you start thinking the transported man really is because of a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and when things finally come to a head, then you find out what the machine does, how bad it was, and mm-hmm. that Christian Bell's character really was just using a fucking body double. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and yeah, it was his twin. Yeah, it's... Cause it's it's so dope how Hugh Jackman's character, like, I mean, he's he he says this line that like you can tell it, like what he saw blew his fucking mind right, and even like when he says that line, they don't show they don't show you what he saw that blew his mind until the end, like anyone like to you and I would just be like, oh okay, there's obviously like a body double or that's someone who looks like him, mm-hmm. but back then that just destroyed anybody's sense of reality like how the fuck did he do that you know right and how he how he thinks how jackman's character thinks that okay whatever he did he did it with the help of tesla and tesla built a machine for him to do it Mm -hmm. and in the end 
No, he just had a brother that he just kept the fucking secret. And like sh- he lived, he lived the um, the magic trick. Like yeah, that was his life. Yeah, just like that. The they had like an Asian um, magician that they they kind of talked about a little bit in mm-hmm. the in the movie. Mm-hmm. And this guy would like hide a fishbowl between his knees mm-hmm. and act like he was just walking like that because he was old and crippled. Oh, old Asian man, yeah. And actually, in reality, that guy actually existed. <laughs> and he was some, an English guy. He yeah. was not Asian at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that guy existed, and he did the bullet catch, too, and got shot. Yeah, and that's like, that's uh, he didn't speak like a lick of English for like 30 years or something like that when he when he got shot and was dying. He was like, oh, something wrong. Really? Ha- no, I'm really shot. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> 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 but that's how that's how that's how um that field was back in the day like they would do like these really fucking dangerous tricks and shit like that mm-hmm. um they even kind of like uh they even um obviously like what kicks the whole thing off is the fact that like hugh jackman's uh hugh jackman's character's wife uh sorry robert uh i say anger anger uh angier angier how robert anger his wife uh julia is like dies during one of their stunts Mm-hmm. And that kind of like kicks off like this whole thing, and it just shows like how back then like they really did dangerous shit like this. Yeah, like Houdini used to do shit like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I kind of want to bring up real quick too. Mm. Again, the reason why we changed it from uh, what you said. Oh, rivalry is a. Oh yeah. Great form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. To obsession as a motherfucker. Yeah, because obviously we don't get the rivalry in mm. Tesla as much as we thought it would as the prestige, and that's mm. why we chose the prestige. Yeah. Um, but the obsession is totally there in both films. Yeah, the, the obsession, um, especially in, like, the obsession for Tesla ends up kind of, like, destroying him. And the obsession and the prestige destroys both men. Like... Uh, and Jerry is like this kind of rich guy who's like obsessed with stealing this trick um, from this guy who kind of like accidentally killed his wife and how um, uh, Borden, uh, Christian Bell's character, um, how like his obsession with like competing or being like this great musician or trying to figure out how magician magician. Sorry. <laughs> I always get, the, I always mix those two up. Um, how Borden, Oh no, how Borden and Jerry, stole Borden's trick you know mm-hmm. and he kind of does that whole thing um, I, I, I do remember though when I was watching when I first saw the movie in theaters like when I when they showed his brother the, the guy in the makeup mm-hmm. I did think like okay that guy's gonna have some big significance to like the movie like near the end mm-hmm. but I never thought to myself like oh that's that's that is uh, uh, what's his name Christian Bell I never thought that was Christian Bell I thought like oh okay he's not who he says he is mm-hmm. you know because they gave him like a lot of mystery to it um but like at the end of the by the end of the movie um Angier is dead you know like his assassin essentially get him killed and even um uh borden the 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 borden that he knew his obsession ended up getting him killed too mm-hmm. um which is like the obsession is like straight destroyed both of them it did I actually like how it unfolded because, like, I feel like this time around, because Mm -hmm. I had already seen it, Mm. I was able to kind of pick it apart better at the end. Yeah. Um, 
and like all the little intricacies Mm. always like it blew my mind yeah because you have to sit there and kind of work out which of the twins Mm. died and which like which one of them was executed Mm. um and which one of them made it out to the little girl yeah and also like you have to figure out like because it makes you want to like watch it again think like okay was that was that the twin was that the twin that was okay okay i i used to think that the father was the one that got out Mm -hmm. because of the little girl and how much he was like like leave her alone yeah so i used to think it was that but i mean obviously there's a bit of dialogue that kind of gives the idea that no it was it was the uncle that got out, but it showed how much the father, even though like, like when I, when I, when, before I had my kid, I didn't give a fuck. I drank, I smoked, I did a lot of stupid stuff that either should have had me thrown in jail or like dead. Mm-hmm. But as soon as like my daughter came around, my whole perspective changed. I was like, all right, I got to live long enough to make sure this, this little girl is going to make it out alive. Mm-hmm. And, and this, it has a good example. Yeah. It has a good example. Right. And in this movie, even though like, like even though the, um, the brother who died, the father of this child, you know, he didn't look at this child and think like, "All right, I gotta stop this." Instead, he still kept going, mm-hmm. and it caused him to it caused him to get uh, dead. It's what caused him to die. It caused him to get dead. Yeah, yes. it caused him to get dead. <laughs> <laughs> it caused him to, to die. He didn't get wrecked. He got dead. He got dead. <laughs> <laughs> But I, that's I, that's I thought it was that's why I I you have to take a step back and think like okay at what point was it the father or at what point was it the uncle the you know, which brother was taking over mm-hmm. at a certain point there's like tiny little hints uh-huh. um I do the, I, I do like the part where like Rebecca Hall's character Sarah kind of knows it when she says when he says like I love you and she goes like no you don't mean it today yeah and it's funny because I totally didn't see it like that either no okay because i feel like there are guys probably more common than you would think who honestly Mm. mean it sometimes and Mm. honestly don't Mm. um and i on and so i was actually starting to get really sad Mm, okay and the first time i watched it yeah yeah because i was like like this woman loves him and has his kid and like lives for those moments where you know they're all together and like and he loves her and Mm. like everything is great and then when he's doesn't love her he's a fucking dick yeah um like i that really made me sad and Mm. um like when i watched it this time i obviously knew Mm. so it was kind of like me trying to pick out when was he the one that loved her and when was he the one who loved scarlett johansson's character yeah i mean it also it also can say that like maybe he never even really loved her like he loved magic more Mm -hmm. and like maybe like those are the times where he did say he loved her and when she was like oh you don't mean it today maybe she actually saw she was like no you like maybe that was the one that that was married to olivia but mm-hmm. like he actually never he, there are certain times he actually didn't mean it because mm-hmm. it kind of just goes into it goes to furthermore of like how his obsession over magic and you know how he, he says that part like he goes secrets are my life no woman ever wants to hear that yeah because <laughs> that's just like 
what? Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Do that. Like, you can't trust me? Okay. <laughs> right? Thanks. Um, I always, um, I always enjoy the part, um, that ending, that ending always gets me where it's revealed that like, uh, Angier had like killed, uh, we found out like what, 62 versions of himself. Mm-hmm. That part always gets to me. Cause like you see it and it's like, it's that line where Michael Caine says, you know, you want to be fooled and you're like, Oh shit, there's a body in there. Oh, there's <laughs> bodies all over there and shit yeah. like that. Um, I wonder what, like, when that fire, when that fire is burnt out, <laughs> the people who come in to, like, are to burn the fire, the firemen come in to, like, stop the fire. They're like, hey, there's, like, 62 bodies in these boxes. Why? And they are all the same person. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It'd be really weird. I want to see the, I want to see the movie where it's, like, the aftermath. <laughs> I know. That would, that would be a Lovecraft movie, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be totally twisted as shit. Um... I, I thought it was interesting, too, how they kind of went through, like, they never really spelled it out, mm. but you kind of know that Hugh, Jackson, Hugh Jackman's character is mm. not the original one by the time yeah. you get to the end. Yeah, like, at some point, like, the original died, and there's, like, just it's just copies of him. Right. Um, so, uh, I, I didn't know this until until reading this but the uh the procedure is based off of a novel um so like the novel actually goes a bit more detail of how the machine works um so what happens is that the not in the novel the machine it doesn't um it doesn't copy a person exactly what it does is that it like transports like their essence into like that new body and then the old body is just kind of like a former shell of itself mm-hmm. um and then from what i from what I heard that when the book, when the, the later in the book, um, Borden comes in. So Borden comes in, he like fucks up the device and stuff like that. And then like the essence kind of like becomes like this astral person that like lives on for like thousands of years. And the former shell of Angier is just like withered away and dies, mm-hmm. which I, I read that I was like, I kind of want to read that book now because <laughs> it gets like really, it gets like really crazy in there. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, as in the term of like the prestige other than like the end of the joke or the end of the, the magic. Um, and Jerry essentially calls uh, the dead husk or the former, his, his former bodies like prestige, prestige materials, which is like, he's like thrown away a part of himself over and over again. Like, he's losing more of his own, like, who Yeah, he is. And, and he's dehumanizing them at the same time, yeah. which is also, in a way, invalidating parts of himself. Yeah. That movie... Damn, that shit gets really... Like, now I'm just thinking about it. Like, it, like, it, like it, he shot himself. Yeah. Without hesitation. And, yeah. and, and you kind of get a sense that that's the copy mm-hmm. that killed the original in that very first time that he tried using that machine. Yeah. And realized... That every time he made a copy of himself, he would be transported mm-hmm. and the copy would stay there and that he p- always put a tank underneath yeah, so that they would drop in and die. Jesus. Um, so and then it kind of makes Hugh Jackman look like less of a mastermind 
like his character mm-hmm. because I kind of always thought that he set him up. Mm-hmm. And if he always did that after every show, mm-hmm. then that just means that it was a happy accident for him that Christian Bale, Christian Bale's character went down there, went down there mm-hmm. in that it was the more obsessed one and mm-hmm. uh, ended up getting himself into the kind of trouble that would get him executed. That's the thing. I don't think it was, I don't think it was a happy accident because, um, he, like, um, Angier didn't really, he really didn't make it hard for him to see the trap door opening. So, I'm sure he thought, like, Borden thought that it was, like, the same trick before where he would, like, f- go through the floor. Mm-hmm. He probably thought it was the same thing, and he wanted to, like, catch him again in it, like, with his own eyes and shit like that. So, I think that he kind of was, like, planting that because he knew he would go down there. But, obviously, he didn't know that that was, like, the more obsessed, um, the more obsessed sibling he didn't even know it was assembling. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he was just like, I got him. Which is, that's another thing that kind mm. of gets it too, because they were really close, mm. like best, almost like brothers. Yeah. And he didn't even know. Yeah, nobody knew. Yeah. That's so crazy. His wife didn't know. That's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, 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 I mean, like I said, the movie's fourteen years old, but I. I think it still holds up. I think it'll still hold up like 10 years down the line. I think it'll hold up forever. Forever? I mean, what make what elevates this movie to, to close to excellence? Well, actually, I'm sorry. What would elevate this movie to pure excellence is more David Bowie. Yeah. Just put him more. I mean, he doesn't have to. I think he, he was a great Nikola Tesla. Oh, so great. I, I read somewhere that like Christopher Nolan was like, Bowie, this role is for you. I want you to do this role. Yeah. You only had him. But of course, and it's Bowie. I think, and I think that was like his last performance anywhere. I think it might have been his last performance anywhere. Yeah. Well, like his, his last uh, performance in a movie. Yeah. I think it might have been this, might have been the prestige. Um, I forgot what I was going to say again. <laughs> okay. The heat is getting to me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We're going to, we're going to close up this part. We've been recording for almost like two hours now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I still think it holds up. Kelsey, what do you say? Holds up. Holds up. Good shit, good shit, good shit. Um, so that's going to be it for our show for this week. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. And um, we know you guys are welcoming us back. You can hold your applause until after the show. We hope you forgive us for leaving you for a week. <laughs> um, you can find this episode and all past episodes on all podcast catchers. Um iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. I think we're on Pandora now. We might have jumped on Amazon as well. I'm not sure. Hopefully we have. Um, Please return for next week where we are going to be doing Bill and Ted Face the Music. And our geriatric cinematic is, I'm sure before the sentence even ended, you guessed it, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Well, I've never seen either of them. This that's gonna be a fun episode because I got some shit to say. <laughs> you always got some shit to say. I know, I always got some shit to say. Uh, what's the topic? Excellent. I don't know. Didn't come up with one, but fuck it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's gonna be that's gonna be the title. <laughs> <laughs> Raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we wanna bid you guys adieu. Hopefully you're staying safe out there. Wash your damn hands, put on your fucking mask. Stay home. Stay home. Like, don't go unless you really have to. I saw some people getting um, their toes 
uh, what's it called? Pedicure? Mm-hmm. Pedicure, like at some nail salon, and they were doing like outside. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, you know, like, go clip them. Clip them at home. <laughs> um, okay, so with that, I'm going to leave you guys with a very interesting story. Uh, buddy of, well, one night I was driving with a couple of buddy of mine, a couple of friends of mine, going back from a party. We were drinking, having a good time, whatever. We're driving back and we're on the 10 freeway, 210 freeway, give you a little local idea. And, uh, one of my friends was in the backseat. He had a blunt. He was just holding it. He wasn't smoking it. And next you know, I see... Uh, cop lights. See those those red and blue coming after us. Pull over. The cop, you know, comes up to the window. You know why I pulled you guys over? I'm like, no. The cop says, "Oh, you're swerving." My friends and I are like, "No, we weren't swerving." You know, we're we're trying to make sure we don't get shot at all. Um. And through all this kind of stuff, whatever, cop lets us go without a warning, and we take off. Cool and everything. And my friend, he goes, um, my friend in the back, um, Freddie, that's not his real name. <laughs> my buddy Freddie in the back says, um, hey, so we're good on the cops, right? Like, they're not, come, they're not following us? Look at him and go like, no, no, man. Why? Why? And he says, remember that blunt I had? Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I just ate that. <laughs> I had to eat that. I swallowed that whole thing I had to. <laughs> And my, my friend, the pastor side, looks at me. Tom, he looks at me. That's not his real name either. <laughs> he looks at me. He goes, hey, 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 he must have just saw the prestige. Because the words from Robert uh, Angier came out. That was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs>